Welcome to the Hillside Podcast. We trust that you'll be impacted by listening to today's message. Hello, everybody. My name's Caleb. I uh, am one of the many in the room now. Um, why don't you grab a seat and uh, we're going to just want to say thanks to the guys up there. Thank you. In, um, in considering how to talk about and how to uh, come and be creative as a creative uh, race, it's very difficult to, to compare and to work out what is, what is a creative versus what is not. So Graham gave us a massive brief to gather the creative uh, eclectic crew in Hillside Church and um, release encouragement and so we hope to do that and so for you already to be here on a Saturday morning um, you must be of that type of that persuasion um, if you if you are following me what I'm saying is you are you are other does that relate to anyone here do you feel other sometimes anyone yeah I'm definitely other a while ago um, yeah, good. I uh, a while ago, um, I've been going through a, a like a, a chapter in my life of such high levels of indecision and uncert- being uncertain. And I think that many of you might relate to that as creative people or prophetic people who've wrestling with some with the things within you that you that you that you've heard or longed for but haven't yet seen, and you're kind of in that space of journeying in that land between. Has anyone ever felt that way? I know we all have, but I think creative people and prophetic types and the other, all of us others. If you didn't know you were other, you other, because who comes on a Saturday morning to something like to lie on the floor or whatever, you know? So you are other. So that's your, that's your name for the day. And, and we, we, we spend so much time in that space of being in the land between. Has anyone been there for long? Um, um, this is a very small group, so we're just going to keep asking lots of questions. Been there for long? Who, anyone's right there now? Yeah, in that land between, feeling that tension of like a, maybe the promise and, and not the fulfillment or the, the picture and not even yet the plans? Yeah. And I think creativity is a lot about this. And, and I've been going through a journey of trying to learn some, an exercise we're going to do later on is just to, 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 to break up and do kind of a little fun thing of just like, how does God know me? What does he call me today? It's something we love to do to encourage each other and to hear how heaven knows us. And it often is sort of a, it's an ever-evolving name that is changing and we need to hear a different thing often on different times of the, in our lives. And so I w- I've been in this journey of, of, of high levels of indecision and uncertainty and it was someone from left field that just came and God said, I call you certain. And I've been in a process of learning what it looks like to live into how God actually knows me. And uh, for me, that's, that is the, the tension, the wrestle of creativity. It's this thing of, of having a dream or having a picture and having something within us that we haven't yet seen, but we've, we've only caught glimpses of. And it's learning how to journey from uncertainty into certainty and from nothing into something. 
And uh, if, you, if you are prophetic, then you're spending your time speaking life where there's currently no life or there's a doubt of that life. If you're an artist, you're currently forming something that often, I don't know when last you guys have been to an exhibition or something more classical in the arts, but you look at it and you go like, geez, I, didn't, I could have, I could have. That was, does anyone have that experience? But you didn't. But you didn't. just want to remind you. Does anyone relate to that? But you could have, but you didn't. And that's the space that I'm talking about, but you didn't. And moving from having things within us to actually having things on the wall. And that's this journey that we all often are in. And wrestling with us as creative people, I'm going to keep reminding you as the other, the, the outsiders, this is our gift that we get to bring to people. This is it. We get to bring people into exhibitions of there was nothing and now there's something. And people look at it and go like, I could, I could maybe, I'm, I'm feeling a sense of something, there's something more within me. And I'm being called up to something higher because I'm being inspired through what someone else has executed. That's what art does to us. It draws us into, wow, there, it's possible that I could have, all of a sudden I feel like I am something, whereas the moment before I was despairing and felt like nothing. And that's what we get to do when we create and we move in the prophetic and we get to do art. And there's a story in, um, in uh, Luke 8 about Jairus. Do you guys know the story when he's got this, um, he's got this dead child and um, they bring this child. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation and they bring this child to, he brings this child to the disciples and they can't heal the child. And then he asks Jesus, um, can you please help because the disciples can't help and I'm going to pick it up in verse um, Luke 8 52 um, Jesus told everyone who was left to go outside and who was sobbing and wailing with grief and he said stop crying she's not dead she's just asleep and must be awakened and I want to just pause there and say to each one of you I believe that the things that are within you right now are not dead they're just asleep and there's a lot of things that we've had for many years that I felt like really specifically for this morning that we, if we can do anything while we're here, it's just to be a reminding point. That the stuff that's within you, it's been placed and planted by God himself, and it's not dead, it's just sleeping. By your own doing, I will add, I will add. Because you could have, but you haven't yet. And that's very exciting. When I say you could have, I mean this wonderful picture that I'm picturing there of Graham's feathery friends, or whatever it looks like. I don't know what your art looks like. That's more classical. She's not dead, she's just asleep and must be awakened. And that's really my hope for this morning, just a little bit of something, to call out something in each one of us. And then, as it always happens, they, they, not us, the other, we, the other, we don't do this, but they started to laugh at Jesus. They began to laugh. Are you really going to have this thing? Are you really going to give birth to this thing? And people questioned, and they began to laugh, and they began to say, there's, there's no way that this is going to happen. This girl is dead. And they began to laugh. So who's experienced that surrounding laughter from probably nearest and dearest most? Hey, anybody want to relate to that? Our, our greatest fan base, nearest and dearest? No, that's not a great one. Don't do that. That's not going to work out. Hmm? Anybody relate to that? Some of you have got it more outside. You've got it on social internets and stuff but um, most of us just get it at home anyone 
No? What's the home life? Okay, I don't know what this is. Wonderful family church, this. <laughs> Supportive families, they call out the best. Eh? High honor. Yeah? Is it? High honor. Has the whole teaching moved through this church yet? Honoring what you want more of. And Do you guys call Roger by a title yet? Not yet. Guys are missing out. You're missing out. <laughs> Yeah, so you don't, he's not, he's not. Roger, you got work to do, boy. <laughs> so she's not dead, she's just asleep, and, they, and, and she must be awakened. And then they, they the, those around him, they began to laugh, knowing for certain that she had died. And that's how the perspective of the world saw what was within this girl, that there was death, that she had died. And so many of the situations and the things that we're facing that are... are at this exact point right now. We were having a conversation this morning just around breakfast about the pessimism in South Africa right now, the political situation. There is so much need for problem-solving creativity to be born out of the Spirit in our land right now. It's not just about pictures of, oh, on, on canvases. We're talking about creativity that changes lives. And so there's so much of that that is needed. And what looks to be dead right now and looks to be hopeless and futureless and the next Zimbabwe. Can I, we are closer to Zimbabwe. I don't want to, the people are saying it. So, is, yeah, okay. So, is it okay? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just going out. I'm, I'm away from home. You clean it up. <laughs> so, pe- people are, are <laughs> that's enough. Is that, <laughs> that's enough. Okay, that's enough, that's enough. So if what you've gained so far, guys, is he needs a title, and this is the next Zim. Okay, so I just want to say be encouraged and bless you. <laughs> oh, man, so good. Yeah. And um, people are laughing at us if we're walking around hopeless right now. People are laughing at us if we're walking around not having a contingency plan. They're laughing at us because this thing is dying in terms of the land and the nation. So I'm talking corporately about our country, but I'm also talking about individually for, each, for some stuff within each one of us. And so Jesus approached the body, took the girl by her hand, and so much of this is literally about moving just from where you are towards the canvas. And so one of the things I've been doing is just starting to pray for Cyril because I just feel so despairing. And I just pray for Cyril. I pray for him all the time. The president, if those of you. I pray for Cyril, and I didn't vote. Actually, I did vote for Cyril. And I, I, I just pray for Cyril, and I, I just, immediately, I just sense like, wow, I'm now part of what God's busy bringing to our land. I just connected to it. Whereas before, I felt other to this thing, and I felt like, oh, someone else had caused this, and someone else had created this, and someone else had... And all of a sudden, I was right in the center where I believe God wants each one of us to be. And as we move, so he moved towards the body, and he took the girl by the hand. And so much of it is literally about taking. So it's like moving. And I'm talking about all the projects and all the dreams and the hopes and the things that you long for and have been spoken, prophetic words, promises, whatever. It's about moving, and it's about taking something up. You, you don't ever start without lift, lifting the paintbrush and moving towards the space to do something. And... Um, he took her hand and then he called out. And this is like, for me, is the most powerful one. He just began to declare. 
he just began to declare. Not this kind of classic intros, prayers we all do here. We need to go and hang out with some more West African friends. I've got some friends on the mountain that I always pass when I'm going on my runs. And I sometimes stop and just get inspired by how wonderful it is to be in that atmosphere of just commanding, declaring prayer. So I want to encourage you to change your prayer life from, from a sort of a timid posture to something where you take authority in it. That's just a side note. But, so he began, it says, in a loud voice. I love that. He, just, he didn't say, and we've all said we don't want to do hype, so we've sort of got scared of doing these, like, yeah, I don't want to hype this up and let this be an emotion. And, but actually, sometimes there's a place for saying, I need to be shifted right now. And he said, my sleeping child, awake, rise up. So let's just say that together. My sleeping child, awake, rise up. Can we just do it again with the voice that he used? My sleeping child, awake, rise up. One more? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go? Have you got, I don't know what's, what the voice is. Do it again. My sleeping child, awake, rise up. Is that how it's going to be in your room? I don't know. How's it going to be in your room when, you, when you're needing to be reminded of this moment? Because we're talking about the stuff that's in each of you. I can't, I don't know what those things are, but there's promises, there's prophecies, there's places that you haven't yet gone, there's things you haven't yet stepped into, there's canvases, there's problems, there's things that we are inspired and designed by God to partner with Him into actually seeing solutions, seeing the creativity of heaven break out in. So we need to learn what this loud voice sounds like and feels like on each one of us. That's Roger's duty to coach and to walk with you, but I really, I, we need to discover our voices, each one of us. That's, and then how wonderful, instantly her spirit re- returned to her body and she stood up. So he moved and he took and then he declared and then immediately something just shifted. Something just shifted and that's gonna begin to happen for all of us. So right now, before I just continue for a little, little bit longer, let's just pause. If you would, open up your hands with me. I just pray, Holy Spirit, whatever it's been that we've neglected because of indecision, uncertainty, where we've doubted that that was your voice, shift us right now from questioning to action. Shift us from questioning to action. Move us from questions to action. You'd move us to starting. You'd move us to starting. You'd shift us away from indecision and questioning to faith. And God's going to do it. He's going to highlight, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would highlight and you'd remind and you'd cause to memory right now the dreams, the visions, the words, the encouragements, the perspectives, the stuff that we've kind of, that has literally fallen right to the bottom of our to-do list because of our questioning and our indecision around it, that you'd bring it right to the top. So just release that in Jesus' name over all of you. The stuff's coming to the top. This is the time of it coming to the top. It hasn't, it's not dead, it's just been sleeping. And just wake it right now, Holy Spirit. Begin to wake in us again, the creativity, the dreams, that we are the solution bringers to a broken and desperate society. Some of it is about beautiful art that brings inspiration, but most of it is about His kingdom coming. So some of you need to begin to do the art to inspire someone else to act because of something beautiful. Some of you need to sing a song that they can dwell on and be restored by, but then they can go out and see his kingdom coming on. And some of you need to be literally moving with, with Evan and whoever else the solutions are. And some of you need to begin to be starting prayer groups for Cyril and his friends that aren't his friends, that are right next to him, that are a greedy bunch. Amen.
So in Luke 13, just quickly, you know this thing of each one of us having a seed within us is what I'm really talking about is I don't know what the things are in each one of you, these promises, these prophecies, but I know that they can be so overwhelming and they can cause, especially when we allow questions to run rife and have a field day in our hearts and minds, they can cause such havoc and cause us to be swinging this way and that and to never actually move into action. And I'm talking about every single aspect of our lives of faith, of being disciple makers. We can have questions that literally rule us and have, on, and have been and are continuing to form and shape our current paths. And it's not based in faith. It's not based in what God is, has destined us for. And so there's something in each one of you. And I've got this life coach who I hang out with every couple of weeks when I can afford it. And the thing that I've just loved about that is just this, his sole thing is to say to me, is the essence of you being released yet? Is the essence of you coming out in your work and what you do, is, your, like, is, is, is the fiber of you getting out yet? That's all he's trying to do, just like to draw the life out of me in the good sense. And so that's what the Spirit's trying to do all the time with us, all the time. He's put something in each one of us that is specific and unique for this time, for this place. And Jesus says in, in um, Luke 13, verse 19, it's like the smallest of, se- of seeds that you would plant in the garden. And planting requires faith. It requires faith. And I really pray that we're going to deposit some of that by being here with you. And when it grows, it becomes a huge tree. And with so many spreading branches that various birds make nests there. And so none of the stuff that we've, like, we've longed for is ever going to have any eternal significance if we're building our own kingdom. This is always going to be, we are those, the other, the type that come on a Saturday morning and lie on the floor. But our life's work is about the other. Our life's work is about making shade. And so when we do the art, we're not making the art to get the acclaim. We're doing the art because we want to make shade for someone who needed inspiration in a moment to, to be shifted into something of a higher eternal value of knowing who God made them to be. So... Let's just pray again. I just pray, Holy Spirit, for faith right now. Just We're going to keep praying this throughout the day. We just pray more, more, God, more. Where we've had doubt, where we've had indecision, where we've had questions, we pray for faith, God. That's been one of my favorite verses in the last few months. Just, Lord, we believe, but we just want more. Lord, we believe, but we want more where we don't. We want more where we don't. So just, just join me in declaring that, Father, I want more where I don't believe right now. I want more belief. I want more faith where I don't believe right now. Just maybe, maybe just test out your voice and just speak it out with me. Father, I want more where I don't believe in those places where I'm doubting, where I'm questioning God. I want more because I want to, want to walk in step with you. I want to partner with you. I want more where I don't believe. I want more where I don't believe, God. Come, Holy Spirit, and just begin to stir up from within us. David told us a story a while ago, such a lovely story of how... The further we're away from the temple, the water began to, the level just rose higher and higher. And so we just thank you, God, that as we move and as we take things up and we begin to speak out and use our voices, that there's going to be an increase in faith in every single person here, every single person, by your spirit. Yeah, by your spirit. The last little story, you guys know the story of John Baptist, but I, I was just wanting to tell you something that a lot of 
a lot of starting of doing something is all about knowing who backs you. And if you think about John Baptist, he came out of left field. Who sent him to do that? Who sent John to go and wear camel skins and eat locusts in the desert? He'd had a prophetic word declared over his life. That was it. That was it. Mary's sister had a child, and there was a prophecy over this child. And it was that prophecy that drove John to to shape his entire life, to go and to spend time seeking God's face alone, outside, and to the point where he came back into society, as you could say, and began to baptize people in whose name? He didn't even have the Savior yet, but he had had a word of the Savior. And he had so much faith to be, be able to position his whole life outside of society, outside of the constructs and the bounds of what was possible, not possible, okay and not okay. The religious people despised him. He was too free. He was too other. Just to remind you again, that's you. You left field in the good sense. Sometimes you feel like you left off the field because you have so many questions. God's inviting us back onto the field. And he began to baptize people. I'm going to read the story quickly. John went preaching and baptizing throughout the Jordan Valley. He persuaded people to turn away. I I just like dwelled on that word this morning, persuaded. I just want to release that in Jesus' name. That you will become the great persuaders. The great persuaders. Persuaders are shrewd cats, if you think about them. You know, who's ever, we used to joke about this one friend of mine who, he could do anything and his girlfriend would just like accept it because he would just melt her mind afterwards with his, you know, he would just, anyone relate to that? Anyone has had their mind melted by a loved one? (laughs) You know, that persuasiveness that you've got where you basically came home at sunrise and whatever, and actually by like nine you guys are having breakfast together again, you know? It's all, anyone? No. Does anyone know someone else who's persuasive? <laughs> yeah? It's your, that's how your future looks. So you better get to know someone who's persuasive, okay? Because John Baptist is, has given us this example here. He persuaded people to turn away from their sins. I love that. There was some very strategic planning and action that went into this persuasion that he began to do. And his life's work was this preparation was preparation. Some of our life's work is going to be preparation. Some of our life's work is going to be preparation. You know, um, you've got all kinds of churches in the body that God loves, and some churches harvest and others disciple. So some of our life's work is going to be part of the first or the second or whichever part. Some fix all the mess. You've got these other hospitals. Like I grew up in a hospital church, wonderful church. So many people came through, used the bed, and then got strong and then went and planted a church from there but never stayed so the church was never never looked like it was like this flourishing thing because it always flipping looked like a hospital all the sick and the hurt and the, but when you understand what was going on it was beautiful so there's so many parts to this thing so some will be part of the the the, the, the first part and others will be part of the second part and john's ministry such a persuasive thing was turning people from their sins and turning them to god and then just to close on this, see, his whole life's work was allowing people to rediscover freedom. 
It was persuading them to turn away from themselves, to turn to God, to discover the freedom of forgiveness. So I just want to release that on each one of you again right now. Jesus, would you just pour out your spirit right now and remind us of the freedom that rests on each one of us to pursue, to run, to chase after because of the forgiveness that's on our lives. And forgiveness is the oxygen of the kingdom. It's what we live and breathe and move in. And don't forget, any, every single moment of the day, dwell on and hold the forgiveness because that is, that's the glory. That's the glory with it within which we live and move and have life. So I just pray right now that you'd call to memory the forgiveness that's on each one of us and the freedom that results. So just join with me. We move towards, we lift up, and we declare. That's creativity. Bless you all. Be encouraged. That's the message that I prepared for you. And now I'm going to invite my friend Richard to come tell you a story. And we're going to, after that, I think we're going to pray a little bit for everyone. And I apologize if you were planning to hear a lot of other things about how all our creative projects, but I, that was what I was burning with. So bless you all. Yeah. Morning, everyone. How are we doing? Um, yeah, so the last time I gave a word, the first question I got asked was, who am I and why should they listen to me? <laughs> so I am Richard, and like all of you, I'm learning to hear the voice of God over my life and other people's lives, so I feel like that's a good starting point. Um, yeah, great message by Cal, and also great word brought by Dave. I also just felt a resonance with what Dave was saying when he brought that word about Genesis, um, and God really placed it on my heart to do a little activation with you guys. So if you all open for it, I'd love for you guys just to close your eyes quickly. Um, yeah, and just get into a place of yieldedness. It's not going to take too long. But yeah, he just, he reminded me of that moment in Genesis where the Spirit is hovering over the water. Um, and we don't know how long the Spirit hovered over the water. It doesn't say. It could have been trillions of years, you know. God's outside of time. But the Spirit's hovering, he's brooding, he's thinking about what he's going to release. You know, he's planning. And then when the moment is right, he speaks out and he says, let there be light. Um, and in Ephesians 1 verse 4, um, it, speaks of God, it speaks of us being joined to himself even before he laid the foundation of the universe. Um, and there's just that idea of intention, that God had intention for you at that foundation. So just imagine the spirit hovering over the waters and he's thinking about you. He's thinking about that word that he's going to release. And the actual Aramaic, um, for when it says that he chose you and he joined you to himself, it's a Greek word that's eklegomai, um, which basically means to speak a word. And so when it says that God chose you, he basically chose a word that he was going to speak out over the water. And that was your name. And so what I want you to do now is just, it's, it's a little bit weird, but go with me. Just imagine, um, imagine the delivery room where you are like about to be born. You know, I don't know who's there, friends, family, whatever it looks like. Just get a picture in your mind, right? And I want you to hear the God saying the word, let there be, and then insert your name in that sentence. Um, because I, I feel like God wants to reaffirm that over people. In the same way that he said, let there be light, and that light was generative, and today we get to stand in the sun, like, 
billions of years later, he spoke your name. He said, let there be Ash, let there be Dave. And you are a word and an intention that's been spoken into the universe. And no, no, no word that departs from God's lips returns without having accomplished its um, mission. So I just want, I want you to speak that over yourself and just say it again in your mind. Just, just be there in the delivery room. That moment you were, you were just brought into existence when God spoke your name. Um, and I just want you to just, just rest in that prophetic act, the, the act of you being an intention from the heart of God, a word from the heart of God. Cool. You guys can open your eyes when you're ready. Yeah, guys. Uh, I hope you're all feeling a little bit refreshed after that. Um, I think I know for me, like, sometimes you feel like everything's a bit random. You know, like, what are we doing? Why are we here? So it's just nice to actually remember that we were chosen at the foundation of the universe. You know, we were chosen, like, before any of this even happened. So there's intent on your life. Um, yeah, so essentially that's what I'm going to talk to you guys about, um, just identity, the prophetic. I'm going to try and keep it short so you can get to the good stuff, the activations, the, the prophecy. Um, yeah, but I mean, I think we all, I think, has everyone in here, everyone got a prophetic word over their life before? Can we all safely say, is there anyone who hasn't got a prophetic word before? Okay, so we all know what we're dealing with. Um, yeah, but essentially I like to think that a good prophetic word you feel a sense of deja vu in the spirit. You feel a sense of, I've heard this before. You know, like this, this sounds familiar, it resonates with me. Um, and I think to an extent that's true. Um, in Ephesians, again, it says that we're seated at the right hand of God, you know, like we currently sitting here in our physical bodies, but we're actually like in the spirit as well, you know. So when we get a great prophetic word, it, it cuts to the core of who we are, and our spirit goes, oh, I've heard that before, you know. Like, I know who that is, that's me, you know. Um, but often what happens with a prophetic word, it has to cut through layers of stuff that's been put on us, you know, um, the stuff that has been projected onto us by the world, by well-meaning people, by who we thought we were. Um, a prophetic edge has to just like get through all those layers to get to the heart of you. And I love how God does that so well. He just releases stuff over us that, that just gets to the heart of who we are. Um, and that's what I like to call the prophetic edge. You know, the scalpel, God's scalpel that he cuts through stuff with. Um, and there's this brilliant Irish poet, um, since we're talking about creativity, this mystic called John O'Donoghue that I absolutely love. Um, and he puts it so beautifully. He says, may your words have the prophetic edge to enable your heart to hear itself. And may your words, find, um, may your words be full of divine warmth that clothe the dying in the language of dawn. So there's this wonderful idea of just, just rekindling the heart to itself and actually just looking at something like Kel said that's dead and speaking life over it, clothing the dying in the language of dawn. Yeah. Um, so may your words have the prophetic edge to enable our heart to hear itself. And may you find words full of divine warmth that clothe the dying in the language of dawn. It's just such a beautiful picture of who the Father is, you know. Um, yeah, and I just wanted to say, like, we here, yeah, we're talking about creativity. Um, and, like, that could, whatever that looks like on your life, like, don't, don't box it into, I'm not a writer, I'm not a painter. Like, do you run a business? You know, are you a mom? 
Like all of that stuff is creative. Um, and we all have the ability to speak life into those areas and to have prof prophetic edge like in those spaces that we're in. Um, so yeah, I just want to encourage you there. Um, yeah, but essentially, I think, like I was saying, we all have the stuff that's been projected onto us, narratives, um, like learned behavior. And I feel like one of, those one of the things that like, a lot of us have is like, I don't hear from God as well as the next person, or maybe I'm not as prophetic. I've heard from God, I'm a prophetic. Um, yeah, but I think what I really want to affirm to you today is that you are prophetic. You know, it's your identity as, as an idea from God, like you are a prophetic person. Um, and you really have the ability to, to call yourself home as well as to call others home. And I love this idea of, of God calling people home. It's such a powerful thing. It's, it's the heart of God for, for all of us, you know, to actually rekindle us with who he intended us to be, with that original word that he imagined over the waters. Um, and, and it's just so beautifully reflected in the story of the prodigal son. And I know we've heard the story a thousand times um, we know it back to front, like in Sunday school. We're learning it from the time we five, you know. Um, but I really just want to go over it again because there's some stuff that stood out to me um, in the way that God um, just works through that story and the relationship between the son and the father that I think is going to be important in, in just rebuilding some identity this morning. Um, so you guys fine with me just to rehash a very old story from the Bible. Um, yeah, so we all know the story. The son... He takes his inheritance, he leaves, he goes, he squanders it on everything the world has to offer, you know, gambling, prostitutes, whatever it is. Um, and in Luke 15, verse 20, I don't know if you guys have Bibles or the iPad or the phone, whatever it is, if you just want to turn there quickly, we see this moment when the prodigal son returns. You know, he's done, he's wasted his inheritance, and he returns to the father. Um, and he's, he has this narrative in his head like, okay, you know, um, I don't actually need to go back to my rightful place in the Father's house. I, if I can just work as one of his hired hands, like they have enough to meet their needs. If I can just like become one of his sort of um, the labor on his farm, like that'll be enough, you know. I, like I don't deserve to go back into my original place as a son. Like he's got this narrative going on in his head. And we see this moment where, where he's walking towards the, the sort of homestead on the hill and he's got this narrative moving through his head. And it says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. And then later in the passage, we read that the father calls one of his servants and he says, get a fresh robe and put a ring on his finger. Um, now, I want you to picture it like there's this, there's like this sort of adolescent um, teen like walking towards his dad and he's, he's a complete mess. He's covered in mud. He's been sleeping in like a pig pen, essentially. Um, and like imagine, I don't know if any of you have kids, but imagine your own child walking towards you looking like that. You haven't seen them in months. Um, and it's such a harrowing sight, but the father catches a glimpse of his son and he runs. Um, and one of the like, most amazing things here is like, I love to like, get into the context of, of the book. Um, and in the first century, Middle Eastern men never, ever, ever ran anywhere. It was, it was undignified. It just wasn't done as part of the culture, um, which leads me to think I would have done well in the first century. Um, but essentially, like, there's this father who runs towards his son, and he actually, um, like the men wore tunics, like these long, full, 
sort of um, robes in those days. In order to run, you had to sort of gird your loins. You had to like hitch up your tunic, you know, so that you could actually run. And in that culture, for a man to bare his legs to anyone was super undignified. You were basically, it was like, you know, being naked in front of people. Um, so there's this father who's actually, he's um, becoming undignified, you know. He's bearing shame on behalf of his son in order to run towards the son who he sees walking towards him, who he sees broken and lost and wondering, like, do I still have a place in my father's house? Um, and Kenneth Bailey, uh, he wrote this book called The Cross and the Prodigal. He explains that if a Jewish son went and lost his inheritance among Gentiles, um, when he returned home, the community would actually perform a ceremony called a kazaza. It's quite an interesting word to say, but where they essentially would break a large pot in front of the whoever it was, and they would yell, you are now cut off from your people. So, like, I mean, as a, as a community, they would basically say, you are cut off, you've squandered your inheritance, you know, your your family's worked for this inheritance for generation. You're now cut off from your people. And they would reject him. And they wouldn't have a place in the village anymore. They wouldn't have a place amongst, the, amongst their own people. And so we see this thing of why does the father run towards his child? Um, and if you think about it, he probably ran to get to his son before the villagers could. He probably ran to intercept his son because his son's walking through the village to get to the homestead, and he probably ran there because he knows if I don't get to my son before they do, they're going to cut him off, they're going to reject him, they're going to tell him he's not worthy, that he has no place in my house, that he has no place in this community. And so there's this beautiful like, prophetic image of the father running and putting himself between those who reject his son and his son and saying, actually, you know what, Like I stand between you and them. There's no rejection here when I'm around. Um, and it's just this amazing image. And the thing is, like, sometimes it's our own voice that's breaking that pot in front of us, you know? It doesn't always have to be others. Sometimes it's our own voice that says, I have no place here. I have no voice here. I have no inheritance, you know? And we actually come against ourselves when we partner with stuff that, that the lies that are on our lives. And we actually own that rejection that people are trying to put on us. And so the Father really wants to put himself between everything that rejects us and the actual word that he's spoken over us, you know, the actual rightful place that we have in this house. He wants to come from a place of compassion and, and actually redeem us from everything that we think disqualifies us. Um, and again, I want you to go back. I want you to get like very sensory right now. You, you've just had like the worst time of your life. You stink, right? And the father comes and he puts a robe on you that, and I mean, we all know when we go home to our family, like there's that specific brand of washing powder, you know? Like, you're like, this is the washing powder from my childhood. I know how my home smells, you know? When your mom puts fresh linen on the bed when you come home. And he gets this robe and it must smell like the father, you know? It must smell like his home and his cupboard and his washing powder, you know? Whatever he used to use. Um, and the ring that he puts on his finger, like he's not, he's not worried about like losing the ring, whatever it is, he puts that seal actually, which was like a seal of identity on the son's finger, right? So the son now smells like the father and he has the authority of the father while he's still, he doesn't say come have a bath first, you know, he doesn't say get clean. He puts the, the marks of identity on his son before any of that, um, and this, I think, like, I really want to just lean into this. This is what prophecy does, and this is what creativity does, you know. It actually just puts identity on people before they've actually worked into it, you know. 
it, it points at the canvas on the wall, like Carl was saying, and says that you did that work before you even picked up a paintbrush, you know? Like God says, you're going to do that. And you think, I've never, I, don't, I can't do that, you know? Like, I've never stepped out like that. I don't know how to do that. But like the Father's prepared like a gallery opening for you, you know? It's just that beautiful prophetic edge that the Father has. Um, and I think like, I really want to talk about the medium that the Father uses to actually engage in that prophetic edge. And I feel like in order to defy the culture of the day, the Father really had to get into compassion for His Son. You know, um, I really feel like the Godhead is motivated by compassion. And that it's, it's almost like this medium that the Godhead flows in. You know, um, and, and for us to actually engage with the Trinity in that beautiful divine dance, we actually have to step into compassion for people step into compassion for ourselves where we actually have like empathy and we actually feel what other people are feeling. We feel the Father's heart on people. Um, yeah, and so, yeah, when we see God moved by, sorry, I've lost my place here. Uh, yeah, we see God moved by compassion um, multiple times in the Bible. We see Jesus moved by compassion when um, he goes to heal Lazarus. It says Jesus wept. You know, Jesus knew Lazarus was going to be healed. Like he knew Lazarus was going to walk out of the tomb. But he said he was moved by his friend's pain and he felt compassion. And then it says Jesus wept. And out of compassion multiple times, like people came in their ignorance and they asked Jesus questions and they made really out there statements. And Jesus, out of compassion, said, okay, let me teach you. You know, and he moved into a space where you could actually educate people. He didn't condemn them and say your theology's off, you know. Um, he actually moved to, to change the way they thought about things. Yeah, so, and what I really want to highlight here is that when it comes to giving prophetic words, one of the best, or creativity, one of the best ways to engage with God's plan and, and what he has over people's lives is to step into the compassion that he has for people, you know. To look at someone and say, Mandy, how does God feel about you right now in this moment, you know? Like, what is his heart moving over? Like, as he, as he, as he thinks about your life, like what is he brooding over in those waters in the deep, you know? And to actually step into that and say, how can I flow in that? How can I be part of that? Um, and I think we've all experienced that a bit with creativity. Like I think people think it's this magical thing that kind of um, can't be pinned down. It's like out there, you know, outside of ourselves. Um, but it is, it is just that thing of, of hovering over something, thinking about something for a while, and then saying, let there be light, you know, and, and just um, participating in that creative act. Yeah, and so I really just want to encourage you guys this morning that everything that you have felt over your life that disqualifies you, God wants to cut it off this morning and he wants to break it over your lives. And any rejection that you felt, he wants to break it over your lives. And he wants to release the prophetic edge into your story. And he wants to remind you of the word that he's spoken about who you are. And that word that he had trillions and billions of years ago before any of us even arrived here. So I think the activations that we're going to do now are going to be a huge part of that. But I really just want, as the morning progresses, you to just lean into the Father um, and from an identity point of view, say, Father, like, what is the word that you're speaking over my life? Like, who am I and who did you make me to be before, um, before I got, it got crowded out by 
anything, you know? And it can be, it doesn't have to be your name. It doesn't have to, it can be like God is saying you are a, a defender of the weak. God is saying like you are a creator of wealth. God, whatever it is, you know, like just press into it and, and people are going to come, people are going to minister over you guys. But I really just want you to carry this throughout the morning. What has God spoken over my life? Like, and just let him come in and refresh the dream that he has and the word that he has over your life. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear your story if you've been encouraged by this episode. You can connect with us on Facebook or leave a review on our podcast.